Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, and welcome to Radio Motherboard. I am Jason Kebler, and I've got Adrian Jeffries, Evan Rogers, and Brian Merchant with me. Hey. Hello. That's Brian with a weird voice. <laughs> Hi. And we're going to try something a little different this week. Um, most of our podcasts have been like an hour, and we are going to shoot for something a little shorter and snappier. And we're going to have segments talking about different subjects and things like that. Adrian, why are we doing this? We're doing this because experimentation is a good thing. Yes. Is, has some of that experimentation led you to be named one of LinkedIn, one of LinkedIn's 150 under 30 power players? What's under 35, although I would qualify for under 30. <laughs> Are you the youngest ever to oh, win this? Award. No, there's a lot of 25-year-olds on the list. Yeah. What is, what's the award? It's LinkedIn's next wave, and it's 150 people under 35 on LinkedIn who are doing stuff that LinkedIn I don't know I don't know what it is oh my god it's yeah, a great it's a, honor it's a cool that's all thing. I can say it's, it's, it's a cool, cool thing yes. there's only 10 people in the media world that got this honor and our own Adrian Jeffries got it so it's a cool thing even though it's yeah. funky and they sent us a bottle of champagne everything in this category is stupid all these lists are <laughs> stupid and uh it was fun to be on one of the lists, but um, it's, a nice it's pretty meaningless. It. it actually does have some kind of meaning. They did some kind of data crunching to figure out who to put on the list, which has probably got something to do with like how big your network is and how much you'll hype their list when but you're on it. Isn't it as determined by their own proprietary like network service, like Newsle, which right. they own? So they yeah, then, yeah they I don't then, know. Yeah, get the there was something data y about it. I don't even post on LinkedIn, but I. I do have a lot of connections. Yeah. Brian is right. This is very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Yay. Yeah, congrats. Yeah. You um, guys are very nice. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you are wearing a hacking team hoodie. That's very cool. This is my new favorite possession. Can you tell us how you came about a hacking team hoodie and what hacking? who is hacking team? What is hacking team? Hacking team is like a company that is like a journalist's dream. It's too good to be true. It's a, like, uh, arguably slightly nefarious kind of company that provides tools to let the police hack suspects. And they call themselves Hacking Team, which is great. And I got interested in them in, like, after I went to DEF CON in 2013 and first heard about this company. They're based in Italy. And at the time, they were trying to push into the U.S. and get some U.S. clients which is interesting because this is a very legal gray area, a very gray legal area, sorry, in the US right now where uh, judges like don't understand what they're approving when they're saying that police can hack people, like use the same techniques that hackers use to break into people's computers. Um, 
And uh, not that it's like necessarily illegal, but there is like kind of a argument about that. Did, anyway, did you get this hoodie before or after their sort of infamous fall from grace? Right. So that was the next thing that happened with Hacking Team Beyond just being like a crazy company with a crazy personality and really fun to cover. They also got massively owned, as they say, by some other hackers who published all their emails. And uh, we'll see if they break the company. Anyway. To like a proliferation of like the hacking team gets hacked headlines that were right. very satisfying. For, right. Yeah. And Lorenzo Franceschi Bicciari, our fantastic and Italian-speaking security reporter, owned that story, and he also gifted me this hoodie. <laughs> well, if and it's it perfect. fits me. <laughs> that never happens. And even though it's in the middle of summer, it's freezing in the vice office. So Always. We need, we need our, you know, our tundra-friendly yes. apparel. Well, yes, we do. Thank you, Adrian, for coming here. Um, you've been on here a lot, but let's talk about something else. We've got Evan Rogers here. Hey, who is hi, uh, Adrian? You can stay. I'm just like introducing. <laughs> oh, I thought Evan. I was being dismissed. You're not being like dismissed. I'm just no. saying, like, let's let's go. Let's talk let's to talk Evan. I want to hear because that's what everyone's talking about these days. Evan knows more about smartphones than anyone I know, and he doesn't even write about them at the moment. He like does audience engagement and growth for Vice. That's and right. And covers HDMI cables. Covers he's motherboard's HDMI cable correspondent. It's my beat. Yes. HDMI cables. Yeah. And today is Tuesday. The Apple announcement is tomorrow and this is coming out on Friday, which is really uh would be problematic. But Evan is so up to date on everything, all things rumors that I'm sure whatever he's about to say is going to come true. So This is your chance to get your predictions on the record. Yes. So, Evan, should I get an Thanks, Mark Grimace, for all <laughs> of the things you have written. Yeah. So what's up with the Apple right now? What so, are we going to see? So, um... What are we going to see? I mean, like, that's, it's pretty much all out there. I mean, like, if you, if you go to 9to5Mac right now, you will find some of the most solid rumors out there. And what they are, basically, iPhone 6S, um, basically enhanced processor, more RAM, um, and a way better camera. And force touch. And possibly force touch. Um, Which is like, what is that? I mean, so in the Apple Watch, there is something called the Taptic Engine. And in the new MacBooks, they have, you know, signature force touch. And it's the, what's in the MacBook is like a lot like the Taptic Engine, but far larger. And so the rumors are basically stating that that Apple is going to integrate uh, this force touch, which is kind of like... It lets, a, it lets you touch your iPhone with more force. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I mean, you could touch your iPhone with as much force <laughs> as you but want. The iPhone will know how much force you're applying. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what phone. this is. I have a guess about what this is, but what does it do? Well, as the owner of a new MacBook Pro Retina with force touch, uh, basically, it is a tiny vibrating motor uh, that is so good at, it has such like vibrating dexterity that it can feel like different things. Like on the Apple Watch, it feels like a tap, like someone's tapping you on the wrist. On the MacBook, it feels like a click. And the interesting thing is that when on the MacBook, when the MacBook runs out of batteries, the touchpad doesn't depress at all. And it is completely able. Like it locks? 
It doesn't lock. It just it no, doesn't depress at all. I thought the force touch was like was that it would the the sensor could discern whether or not you're pressing with various degrees of force to like apply it to a different function. Yes, this sounds like the force is touching you, which I thought it was the other way around. So yes, no, it's the combination of of like Taptic, touch. taptic feedback and the and the capacitive touchscreen's ability also, is it to taptic know. Taptic or haptic? Are you no a, Apple's like patented thing is taptic. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. I get it. That's so very cool. clever. Very yeah. Clever Apple. Yeah. Good branding. Kudos. They're known. They're so known why, for that. Why are you push? Why are you pressing with different amounts of force? So, uh, you know, there's some buzz about. Uh, them renaming it uh, 3D Touch or something like that because Force Touch just like is the worst name. Um, but really, what they want to be able to do is give you m- more and better ways to kind of interact with the software. And so, if you have the ability in software to press kind of through the screen, um, then you can do more things. Now, on the the like, where What's are we? An example, like, well, in. QuickTime, what you can do is you can, uh, like, on the Mac, you can press down once to fast forward, press down again to fast forward 2x, 4x, 8x, 16x, etc. Basically, the only thing that people have envisioned thus far are, like, basically, like, the equivalent of right-click. People (laughs) are really bad at, like, envisioning things. And also... um, Every article I've read that has talked about this is like it'll allow you to pull up a menu or something, which on Android you can just like click the menu button. Yeah, I'm still though I'm like, I'm interested in it because it's it, one of the more subtle things that I think that Apple has done over the years with these little gadgets and stuff is expanded like sort of the language, like our vernacular of of like touch, the way that that we like know intuitively now that pulling apart with two fingers is going to like open a screen or zoom in or exactly. know, swiping exactly. to the left is going to, yeah. So I, I think it's interesting and it's almost kind of like risky because if they backfire, they can be the most annoying thing in the world. We have, yeah. we have like an iMac at home and one of the things that it does is if, if you, it might actually be force touch. If you hit it too hard, it'll like zoom in way too fast and way too big and you can't unzoom with the same with the same motion so i had to go in and it's just turned into an it call (laughs) (laughs) if anyone knows how to (laughs) zoom me out that's brian merchant (laughs) now i'm just all my icons it's too big big. i'm like an 80 year old man reading this thing giant font so can we talk real quick about how um we basically know everything that apple is going to announce tomorrow down to like you know there may be a curveball here or there but yeah dude remember like it's all out there four years ago gizmodo got a hold of the iphone 4 and it was like the biggest scoop of all time and now you know nine to five mac has all of these like mini scoops on everything and we know what's going to happen but when the iphone 4 leak came out that was kind of like the first time that something big had leaked from apple or at least with this like amount of well, I mean, we're in a different era now. Like, we're in, you know, we're squarely in the Tim Cook era, and I do wish that I could remember the new PR person's name, but it's it really is a more... What was the old PR person's I name? I also don't know that fact. I know that one. That's Katie Cotton. Okay. So we're in the post-Katie Cotton era. We are era. in the post-Katie Cotton she, she era. She's like the famous, Post-Cotton. famously sort of difficult, sort of, you get on her bad controlling. list. Yeah, controlling. Yeah, controlling. Yeah. I never knew the woman, but I can say that now... <laughs> Now there's a very much more open Apple. Wait, where is Katie Cotton now? 
Okay, continue. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that it's, this is a combination of their inability to, you know, reasonably manufacture at the scale that they're manufacturing at and right. prevent I mean, leaks. Apple's so big now. They've got over a thousand suppliers or something like that. Yeah. And making parts for each. So, this, with a chain that big, it's kind of infeasible to think that you could, like, keep the entire thing under locks. I just can't imagine that it's humanly possible. Yeah. Yeah. So we hopefully know what we're going to get tomorrow. I don't care what it is. I'm going to get one because I recently switched to an iPhone 5S from Android. And this iPhone 5S is the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen just because I had to repair the screen. I didn't do a very good job. So now I have to use speakerphone to call anyone. It has this weird like cyberpunk distortion on the screen. The battery lasts for like 45 minutes at a time and I'm still kind of happier with it than the Android I was using for uh, you know the last eight years or so and I think I'm just kind of fed up with like fragmentation and not getting updates and like having to download a whole bunch of different apps just to do like something that Apple already has um, Evan you switch between iPhone and Android like on a daily basis am i wrong in doing this should i get another android so i know that we're trying to keep this short and i spend my life pontificating on this so i'll i'll give you this Evan literally changes phones in order to text certain people yeah that's true uh i message people yeah well i mean i the whole iMessage lock-in thing is very real i okay. very much like iMessage. that's primarily why i'm switching see there it is wow. there it is yeah we what? broke it down instantly it. i never understand the difference no it's not the same it's thing it's the blue versus it's a the soothing green. blue Ooh, <laughs> it's the blue it's a color it's yeah the- i mean people who wrote about this who wrote the green bubbles thing i think it was john herman could be possibly it's also the fact that you can send larger images and oh yeah no over Wi-Fi. it works and like WhatsApp it's so fast all the same but only some of my friends use whatsapp and this like interchanges it automatically it doesn't matter you can just use it and it's fine so and i'm not like a power user i'm just iMessage pushes all of those buttons it's like so fast it works really like seamlessly and invisibly and it's one of those things where like people that work in ux all the time say that like speed is really important and google has like written multiple times about how improving the speed of like the google front page has influenced how many people actually click through in a major major way but you know i mean if I guess that's true. Yeah. It is, it is, but now that I think of it, I just never would have like really noticed. I mean, like, sending a text is actually slow for some reason. There's, like, some kind of, like, SMS gateway shit happening. Uh, and, yeah, like, sending a 640 by 480 picture to anyone in 2015 is, like, just garbage. It's just total garbage. Anyway. I feel like this iMessage debate is more, actually makes more sense to talk about than trying to tackle the whole android versus apple yes, question that's very true yes i mean it seems to extend to other things in the iphone like google maps was taking a very long time to load on my android and i only pull up google maps when i'm driving like while i'm actively driving which is very dangerous or while i'm lost and it's like frustrating or while i'm on my bike which is also very dangerous so the fact that i can pull it up on my iphone and it doesn't crash and it just like loads quicker. Maybe, Everything maybe, seems to load quicker. Maybe I don't Google's know. just trying to dissuade you from doing reckless illegal activities. Or from yeah, going Google's trying know. to protect you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for me, Alphabet has our best interests at heart. Oh no! Thank you, Alphabet. 
So the Motherboard Podcast is brought to you oh by God. the alphabet. <laughs> what was it Sesame Street used to do? The letter C. Yeah. C stands for cyborg. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, just to encapsulate this whole thing and not go on like a 300 year long rant, uh, I often think about the emotional connection between myself and devices. And the thing that I think is most important, at least that I've found uh, with my relationship between Android and, and iOS devices is that iOS devices have a feeling of permanence to them. Like you kind of coexist with this device and it's always there. It always works the same way. All the notification sounds are like pretty much the same across generations of phones. I mean, they do totally change, but um, with Android, it feels like I'm just logged into a terminal. Like this is a Chromebook, like somewhere else, all my data lives and it's not really mine. It's just kind of like this interface that I use to use my data. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And that's just something, there's something very impersonal about that. But then you don't. Then you don't feel as bad when you lose it. That's true. I would say most objects that I don't care for, I don't feel as bad about when I lose them. I just got a new Chromebook, by the way, and it was the most pointless piece of technology <laughs> I ever bought. I have a five-year-old Chromebook, and the new Chromebook is the fucking same shit. Which Chromebook it's like you a get? slightly you nicer hardware. Um, because I don't know. I thought, I thought I was like, it's been a long time since I bought a computer and I didn't want to buy a whole full on Mm. computer and I like the Chromebook. And so, uh, there was this pretty Toshiba Chromebook and I like Toshiba and the Verge said it was good. So I bought it. I don't know. I was like in a doctor's waiting room on my day off. I always spend tons of money. I don't know why. (laughs) Anyway. So I bought it. How much was it? $300. There's a, so. Now the old Chromebook plays music in the living room, which is very useful. But the new Chromebook, it's like exactly the same. It feels slightly nicer, and the keyboard has started to get sticky on the old one. But other than that, it's like the same software. I feel like this it conversation, no parts. like if your tone was different, you could be really happy right now. Like guys, it's I bu- exactly I the spent same. Three hundred dollars on a yeah, new that's computer. Funny. That's almost what your argument was. You're yeah. like, oh, every every like iPhone is exactly the same as the last generation. It's great. Yeah. No, the <laughs> software doesn't change, but the hardware does. And you're saying <laughs> software doesn't change. The hardware has. But the hardware hasn't changed that much. It's just aged. The old yeah. one's aged. So maybe you feel like the cost of the upgrade wasn't worth it which is interesting considering tomorrow they're going to bump up an 8 megapixel camera on the iphone 6 to 12 double the ram and have a slightly better processor and it's going to cost 750 dollars yeah it's a lot of money huh except for the 16 gig one which is going to be 650 but if you buy a 16 gig iphone how do you know these prices how do you know these these prices to the dollar (laughs) i mean because they're the same every year (laughs) That's true. And you've been reading Apple blogs all day. Yeah, caveat, none of these things are confirmed yet. There you go. 
what's, they will candle. Candle. what's what's the next essay prompt yes Jason? okay here is the last and final segment of this episode wait what were the first two the first one was adrian won an award <laughs> we, we do that every ep- every podcast now wait, right, at the top uh, yeah, Adrian, what what award are you gonna win next week? <laughs> <laughs> the second one was, I'm buying an iPhone. Jason and Cutler. yes, and the third one is, Alaska is giving out free money. Oh, that's oh mine. shit! Yes, that's yours. And Brian, what is this? What's happening? Can I have some money? Yeah, if you live in Alaska for one year, you can have uh, two thousand dollars. Because Alaska has... Was it because Alaska is cold or what? Kind of, partly. But it's actually like this complicated story that goes back like 50 years. But basically, Alaska knew it had all this oil cash that was flowing in when they were drilling like sort of in the, you know, in the mid 20th century. And they knew it was going to, it was not going to last forever. So they decided to put into law this fund that would store up money that you could not touch the money in this fund, but you could touch any money that it earned. So they have this slush fund, basically, that they're dumping oil cash into year after year after year. And then a few years after they have it, they say, okay, well, why don't we pay out a dividend to all the people of Alaska so they can share in this oil wealth that we have. And it will also help people kind of keep tabs on how the fund is doing so that we can manage it responsibly. And today it's there's this whole state-run corporation called the Alaska Permanent Fund that is managing over $51 billion. And they, you know, once a year now, they issue a check to every single person who lives in Alaska. Uh, depending on this it's this formula based on the revenues and the earnings of the fund uh, over the last five years so this year it's going to be a big one one of the biggest ever it'll be two thousand dollars to every man woman and child in alaska okay but i don't live in alaska so why do i care well because it's an interesting model you've probably heard a whisper or two about this idea called basic income which traditionally has sort of been argued along the lines of, well, technology is improving so fast that pretty soon it's just going to take all the jobs away from the manufacturing sector, from all these, you know, things that can be automated. And we're just honestly just not going to have enough jobs to have uh, a full employment. So we're not going to have enough workforce to, to keep the economy humming. So I like I- how you took a more dystopian slant on this. I feel like basic income is a utopian idea where People don't have to work and they're given basic amounts of money to do higher callings. Right. So it's like, yeah, it is exactly that. It's like, it's the idea of like basically funding a leisure society and very like amply funding a welfare state uh, in a way that even conservatives like, but we can get to that later. But the argument... Basically so that nobody has to worry about the basic necessities. Everybody has enough money to feed themselves and take care of their houses. And so when you don't have to worry about that stuff, you you're more right. you, productive. And you, you calculate the base cost of living in a, in a society for rent, food, utilities, etc., and then you pay out that salary to just everybody who lives there, and just you just give them the money, and then you assume that they can figure out they'll know how to spend it best. Is um, there anything stopping the people from blowing it on, like, drugs and alcohol, though? I mean... What, in a basic in income? In a basic income society. Oh like, what, is, what are the arguments against it, I suppose? 
Well, the uh, the obvious argument against it is that it's like expensive. It's so it's you would require like a radical overhaul of our revenue system. You would probably have to raise taxes a lot, either on wealthy earners or on natural resources. Uh, so there's like a lot of different things you could do to sort of generate this this hugely massive like revenue stream and at the same time you could also cut down like bureaucracies which is why some conservatives actually like this idea even though it's a giant sort of welfare state um but the reason that i framed it the way i did earlier is because the idea has become more and more popular sort of in the face it's like an answer to dystopia basically people are saying if we don't sort of act to sort of protect you know, human civilization from the advancing technology that's going to reorder our economies and the way that we've been doing things for a hundred years, then things could get kind of nasty. And unemployment is, uh, you know, already starting to rear its head as a problem. But like in this scenario, what's to stop me from, I don't know, like writing a bunch of amazing music and selling it on Bandcamp? You know, like if I that's, that's the whole idea. That's exactly why people argue for it because in a society where where you know the basic where like robots essentially are taking care of a lot of like of manufacturing when a lot of farm work has been automated and you only need a few farmers to generate x amount of food, you know, the base necessities are can be done by a handful of laborers and you know theoretically all the wealth that the rest of the people generate can be shared and people can you know do whatever they want so if you have a basic income and you really want to be a musician that's exactly your prerogative and that and the basic income advocates should say you should be able to do that and it should be clear that the the we kind of jumped from alaska to this is that some scholars and experts like watch alaska's system closely because it's sort of like a mini basic income it's nowhere near big enough to cover all your expenses but it's kind of like an you get an inkling of an idea of how sort of the model might operate if it were expanded do people in alaska spend this on new parkas <laughs> yeah they do they they spend it like uh, the surveys that i looked at do they at, spend it on gasoline does that be ironic I'm sure they spend a portion of, of it on gasoline. There's not a whole lot of public Durable goods. Do they spend it on whale fat for burning candles? Wow. Is that a thing? <laughs> what point does this fat? become? That sounds I like that in social studies. <laughs> Is this your startup? Or are you? No. <laughs> Anyways, there what are other that places like, that I want to try this, correct? That want to try this as sort of like a more serious type of thing where it would be a true basic income and you would probably still want to work um, in order to live a comfortable life, but you could, you know, have this to pay for food and potentially rent, right? Yeah, uh, Switzerland is going to vote on this in, two, in 2016. They've got a referendum to do a pilot program for an actual b basic income for what? for citizens. Yeah, this is happening. Yeah, they're well, they're going to vote on it. It was a big movement uh, last year, um, and it's continuing now. So that's probably the biggest most closely watched sort of race in this in this arena but also the Netherlands have a have a proposal going forward that it's pretty split in terms of support for the idea but yeah it's it's a really it's it's a it's kind of an old idea like Adrian said but it's taken on new trappings because it does fit really well in this you know automated sort of work scarce future that that you know our headlines are warning us about there was okay. such a good story oh there was such a good story about um, 
the 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 coming end of days what like what will happen when not automated cars or self-driving cars but self-driving like freight trucks are put on the road because a humongous portion of like the economy essentially like for workers is is made up of truck drivers and a lot of people will be out of work a lot of people will be out of work they need a basic income my question is like quick poll who would vote for this in america who are on the ballot? America. America. Are you, ta- America? are you asking the people in this room? This or room, you- yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think I'm, you know, generally in favor of more social welfare um, and expanding the safety net right now. When a lot of people need healthcare, a lot of people need basic services, and this is again, conservatives like it because it's a very efficient way to do that. You just give people money and I know like some economists worry that it would sort of distort the inflation rate and things like that but for according to the information that we've got and the small pilot studies that are available it generally works pretty well yet labor rates kind of fall a little bit because people spend more time with their kids but they you know work (laughs) it would generally be a more humane society if you didn't I mean the thing would you vote for it Adrian yeah, I would vote for it. I think um, I think it's also interesting because it's kind of, it's like the closest thing that I could ever pass to reparations, mm. which after reading Ta-Nehisi Coates' story, I feel like I would vote for, but will probably never be something that we can vote on. Um, that's a whole like, other different road to go down because the basic income is like equal to everybody like that's how it is in most designs right or that's what it has to be that's yeah that's how it's sold it's equal to everybody yeah yeah are are there any politicians pushing for this in the united states right now would you vote for it first uh yes i'd vote for it evan would you vote for it uh absolutely wait so why don't we have this this is this is a consensus yeah Yeah. that's that's 100% of the vote it got 100% of the vote yeah Yeah, how is it that this is not law already representative of America are we not yeah representative I mean but hold on here's a secondary question would you guys work so yeah I would work yeah but I would work differently I would freelance almost yeah I mean like for the first month not probably not just on in journalism. I would just, I would just masturbate like, furiously. Other things. <laughs> and then and then afterwards, I mean, but then afterwards, I would become bored with that state, and I think I would I would work as hard as I do now. Yeah, but probably. I don't think much would change for me. Yeah, except I would have slightly more money, or slightly, or maybe not, because wages yeah, would adjust. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> the other thing is who knows? Like when you design a policy like that, it seems like it's very difficult to make sure it does what you want it to do. Like, yeah. maybe everyone gets a basic yeah, income and the average income goes down GDP by exactly the same amount. The yeah, Right, so that's the inflation problem. And there, you know, there are ways that you could correct for that uh, if, you were, if you were sort of designing this to sort of, you know, be sort of injected into a society that's arranged the way ours is now. But, I mean, right now, it's already... The, the income inequality gulf is so big that I, it really... I can't imagine it would distort the rates and wages so much that thing that things would be thrown into turmoil or anything. So we got any politicians on this track? Not really. People Fuck. are kind of, I mean we have like you have somebody every once in a while kind of like say, you know, 
oh, this would be kind of a neat idea, and there, there's some, you know, it's sort of percolating. What, as they swill what their scotch? Like, <laughs> no, just kidding. He's not. <laughs> no, Bernie's He's not into it. The most recent guy was like, it was the Citibank economist who wrote in a paper who was like, oh, given the future of the economy, this is probably a good idea. Because the other thing that's good is it guarantees people money. It guarantees consumers money to spend, too. So it's it's it would also keep some liquidity in the economy, um, but it's too it's still too radical an idea to be taken up by Congress. Certainly, did but I use this money to buy a parka? You you can you buy I, whatever I, I you want. I with feel parka. like some <laughs> we just like Groundhog Day like the podcast and we're. Also, the podcast is at 35 minutes. What is the new format cutoff time? I think uh, it's, it's about now. It's about now. I was going to say we're doing pretty well because we've only gone five minutes over. Oh, my gosh. Which is like usually we go like 35 minutes over. Let's give ourselves a round of applause. I think so, yeah. Jibo, can you cut in some like nice sounding Oh, applause? and we just record like five minutes of nonsense at the beginning. Oh, oh yeah, so yeah. we're right on time. So we're right on time. But about also, half an hour. You, listeners, you are welcome. Yeah. Please, I, <laughs> I'm sorry if your commute's not over yet. And you need to. <laughs> you can just to listen to the stuff. podcast again in case there's anything that you missed the first time. Right. Totally. Thank you so much for listening to our new format, which clearly needs a little bit of work because I think it's disagree. Disagree. Please perfection. Vote. Perfection. Okay. You don't get everything right the exact first time. I but, disagree. Um, if you have any feedback, please let us know. We are at Motherboard on Twitter, and you can email us at editor at motherboard.tv. Uh, who are you guys? And thank you for coming. This is Brian Merchant. Senior Editor of Motherboard, thank you for listening. I'm Adrian Jeffries, Managing Editor of Motherboard. I'm Evan Rogers, Platform Manager of Vice Media. And friend of Motherboard. And I'm Jason Kebler. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.